Hello, everyone. Welcome to Behind the Screen, the Harms of Cyberbullying webinar. I'm your host, Devin Moore. I'm a Humanity Rising Ambassador, founder of Race to Speak Up, an anti-bullying organization, and co-creator of Hashtag Behind the Screen, an anti-cyberbullying curriculum. And I'm uh, Dr. Sandeep Randhawa. I'm a forensic child and adolescent psychiatrist working in the inpatient setting and outpatient setting, uh, working with youth and adolescents, uh, dealing with everything mental health and with a special interest in uh, helping and discussing ways to navigate bullying and cyberbullying. And as the host of Behind the Screen, we talk about the definition of cyberbullying, how to be upstanders, we talk about mental health and offer advice about dealing with your bullying experiences. The topic for this episode is how can parents teach their kids to be responsible online? Joining us today to talk about this is Shantae Miller-White and Arlette Simmons. They will offer their knowledge about their experiences dealing with bullying and the mental health impact associated with this issue. Shantae Miller-White, affectionately known as Miss Shawnee, is a wife, mother, businesswoman, author, and community advocate. Ms. Shani is the CEO and founder of Parents Against Bullying, an organization that empowers the youth, their families, and communities to stand up against bullying. I am proud to add that I am also a teen ambassador for Parents Against Bullying. Arlette Simmons is a licensed professional therapist and CEO of Clinical Services, LLC. Arlette's focus is to help individuals, families, and couples heal, energize, and become aware of their inner strengths. Arlette achieves this by providing a neutral, safe space, listening to your concerns, and customizing a treatment plan to aid in supporting your mental health. Hi, Ms. Shani. Hi, Arlette, and hi, Dr. Sundi. How are you all? Doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, and thank you both for being here and we would love for you to tell us more about the work that you do. Ms. Shawnee, why don't you start us off? Okay, um, again, I'm Shantae Miller-White. Um, Ms. Shawnee, the CEO and founder of Parents Against Bullying. And um, bullying is something that is near and dear to me. I started Parents Against Bullying nine years ago due to a horrible, a horrific attack on one of my twin girls. Um, my twin daughter, a short version, was kicked in the head for a total of 17 minutes by her bully on the school bus. Um, and this not only um, did it affect her, it, it affected the entire family. It was very traumatic to her twin being on the same bus, but not knowing what was going on with her sister until later on, about 16 minutes later after it had already started. Um, so I didn't want another family to go left alone or um, to not have some support. So once I was able to get my daughter stable enough to think about how I could help others not have to go through this, we used our test to be the testimony to be able to share with others to have a voice for the voiceless and those that had a voice to have a bigger voice. So that's um, what I do, what I have been doing. And people say, why do you still do it and your girls are grown? Because it's not about my girls. It's about everyone. Everyone's my babies when it comes down to this. So yes. Thank you for sharing, Ms. Shawnee, and it's inspiring how you turned your tragedy into positively impacting so many lives. Thank you. Our, and Arlette, why don't you share your story? What inspired you to become a licensed um, therapist? Um, I have a uh, family member that everyone would say they're just okay or they're special or all the colloquial terms to ignore the fact that there was something mental health taking place. 
And that stuck with me for a very, very long time because I've always been the type of person that someone can talk to. And so because of that, I decided that I wanted to pay closer attention, get more information so that I can be helpful. Um, initially, I went to my undergrad thinking I wanted to be a journalist just to spread the word to everyone. But then I realized that wasn't really my path. Someone came to me and said, you know, you are the type of person that people listen to and you should use that to your advantage. And so I've done that. So I decided to put all of my energy into working with individuals one-to-one, -one, especially adolescents. That's my uh, key little area that I stick to. I do others, but obviously I love the kids. I spent a total of 10 years um, running a boys group home where I spent a lot of time with those kids. I had a lot of successful kids in that arena as well. And so I just decided now to focus my talents on my company, Clinical Services LLC, where we provide uh, the one-to-one -one outpatient therapy counseling for individuals in need. Awesome. Well, thank you both for sharing your stories. And the world needs that positive change, whether it's made through um, being a therapist for mental health or through an anti-bullying organization. And as the founder of Race to Speak Up, I know that we need to continue to make that positive change when it comes to putting an end to this bullying issue. And I designed hashtag behind the screen, which is an anti-cyberbullying curriculum in order to show um, or for students, parents and teachers to get an understanding of what cyberbullying is, cyberbullying prevention, its effects and how to be upstanders. And as a psychiatrist, Dr. Sandeep is able to share his experiences through working with the youth who are dealing with bullying. Dr. Sandeep, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Uh, sure, so yeah, similar to Arlette, you know, what you were describing, I went through the med school route and was easily influenced by others uh, in, in the capacity that I thought surgery would be the route or internal medicine, something to that effect. But then as I went through, realized that talking made such an impact that I wanted to really you know, jump on that. And then I eventually went into psychiatry and realized that that was, you know, the road that I was supposed to go down as well. Uh, but now I have a bit more of a niche and connection to bullying because having gone through it or having been the victim of bullying, especially after uh, the change of events after 9-11, where, you know, overnight turned into a terrorist and then some, and the repercussions and the issues that I have to deal with thereafter, uh, really built a variety of, uh, you know, resilience factors and other components that now I can use uh, from my own experience to then empathize with kids that are going through it and then helping them through, uh, especially during a time when you feel like it's not going to get better or, you know, you'd rather kill themselves or uh, hurt themselves or do something drastic because there's, they don't feel like there's any other option. Uh, and so in the inpatient setting, that's what I tend to do with, with youth with, with, you know, every week I'll see kids that are dealing with this or have uh, succumb to it or just don't have any other options so they end up in my unit uh, and then we work on ways uh, at collectively with a team of you know therapists uh, social workers and, and myself and helping them get their resilience back so they could go back and navigate how to deal with bullies and uh, it's just I think at the end of the day also uh, really effective when you see them shining and being able to talk about how they overcame it and then going on to teaching somebody else that might be uh, going, becoming the victim as well. So uh, in a nutshell, that's you know, how and where I am right now, but find it very satisfying in, in being able to give back and helping across the board as well. So, and then being on, being able to jump on and talking with an awesome team like this, I think really gives back and uh, yeah, just doing what we can to, to make it. So eventually we can 
get rid of it or just know exactly what to do if and when it comes up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All your stories are so inspiring and I'm glad that we're all working towards the uh, solution to this issue. Um, let's go over the definition of cyberbullying and well, bullying and cyberbullying. Bullying is unwanted and aggressive behavior targeted at the victim. Imagine someone being rude to you or hating on you because of, for example, your skin color. Like in my case, I went through racist cyberbullying, which I'll continue to get into. And I was being hated on because of the fact that I'm black. It can be because of your religion or your sexuality, your size, your height. And bullying is not random. And the victim of this issue is being targeted for a reason. Cyberbullying is this behavior through digital devices. It can be sharing negative or harmful, false or mean content about someone. And it can be on all forms of social media like Instagram or Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, YOLO. Social media should not be used for this. When you go on social media, you're really, you just see other people's lives, but you're not supposed to be hating on each other for any reason. And it can be through text and regular email. Let's take a look at um, some statistics. These statistics have rise so much. I mean, cyberbullying has increased over 70% since the start of the pandemic. 50% will not tell and only one out of five youth will report. So a lot, this just goes to show that a lot of youth are going through the cyberbullying problem and they're just not reporting it. So, and then seven in 10 young people experience cyberbullying before the age of 18. Now, I wanna ask you all, I wanna ask the panel and everyone feel free to type your answers in the chat. Ms. Shawnee, Arlette and Dr. Sandeep, how do you think parents can teach their kids to be responsible online? Why don't we start one, with Ms. Bonnie? One of the things um, when I'm doing workshops or school tours or just talking with youth in general, one of the things that I, I try to tell them is to think before you send, meaning think before you press that, that button, whether it's on your phone, your keyboard, the computer, an iPad, or what have you. Because once it's once it's released, just like when you're talking, once it's released, you can't take it back. Because you, you feel like you can um, delete it or what have you, but somebody has screenshotted it, shared it, something of that nature. And that old saying, sticks and stones may hurt my bones or words may never hurt me. I don't know who came up with it, but it's absolutely not true because it sticks with you forever and ever. Amen. Um, meaning that, you know, you're always going to have in the back of your mind, um, I'm short. So they'd be like shorty or, or, you know, or any other words that might pertain to that's in a negative way. You're always going to remember that. Um, whether you, you know, say to somebody, oh, it doesn't bother me or not, it really does bother you. You know, some of those things bother you and it sticks with you. So that's one of the things that I say, think before you sin, think before you say something, whether it's behind this keyboard or behind the phone or behind any electrical device, because at the, the end of the day, would you want someone to say it to you? Um, so that's that's one of my, my things. Um, and parents need to make sure that they are being aware of what these kids are saying, being aware of the different um, pages that they have. They have these secret pages or what, don't allow them to have these locked phones and, um, you know, and being, being up to date on these, um, 
what are they, the, the icons, meaning the, the apps, because a lot of some of these apps are not the real apps. You know, they're changing every day because I was going to ask you, what is YOLO? I, I mean, that's one I didn't even know of. So it's like it changes constantly. So you have to be on top of it, reading, Googling or whatever, going to classes if you know, if, and getting involved because of the fact that there's so much that can be done behind these electronic electronic devices. So that's my, my take on it. I'm doing family sessions or even individual sessions with the kids and then I bring the families in or the parents in to have some type of discussion. I'm always um, pushing for them to be present. That's a big thing, be present. Because when people are working really hard and it's so much going on, it's easy to allow the television or these electronic devices to be very prevalent in your home. You have to be present, you have to pay attention and use your village. So by your village, not just your outside neighbors, obviously, but the school teachers, the guidance counselors, um, the older kids in the home, use your village, ask questions. Nothing is too you know, interesting that you can not take that time to stop and spend it with your child. Um, I know everybody works hard and um, I know everybody's tired, trust and believe you me. And even those parents that were stuck at home with kids, I know everybody was frustrated. I have a lot of you know people come to me I'm so frustrated. The kid is always home, but being present is a whole different mindset. It's one thing if you're sitting there, because we all see it, family table, you know, the family members at the table, everybody's on their phone, nobody's present and things are going on. So if you're paying attention, it's easier sometimes to catch things or to ask questions. So that's what I'm pushing right now is just to be present in the moment and paying attention. I, and I would just piggyback off of what was already mentioned. Uh, depending on who's bringing it up, what I like to I like to try to work backwards, uh, and that is do whatever it takes to eliminate the I don't I didn't know that uh, answer. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you talk to parents or whoever the caregiver is on you know somebody's bullying uh, and how bad they are, if they come up with well I didn't know, then what does it take to eliminate that? Whether it's you know checking your phone, setting expectations, being aware of who your friends are, what you're doing online or having weekly random check-ins and where you're allowed to go through the phone, no questions asked. If you want this phone, then that's my, uh, you know, that that's the rule that I'm gonna put in place for you to have this phone that I'm paying for or whatever the case may be, those rules need to be set. So therefore you can check in with your village or, you know, uh, with your family members or the other siblings to see, or even the, you know, your the youth social network mm -hmm. to engage, what is this person like when not in the home? So yeah, I think as just the, the, the simplest, it just starts with that, uh, just eliminate the, I don't know, you know? So if it was cyberbullying, well, what does it take? Why don't you know, you know, what effort did you put in? And, uh, you know, going to the earlier point, everyone's tired, right? So take that excuse out, you have a duty because, you know, we're talking about it, the impact of just one word can go for a long time. And I think that phrase, whoever said the sticks and stones thing, they didn't deal with so social media or the internet. so. Uh, they could actually, you know, put it into carve it somewhere and throw that away and maybe not get the repercussions. But now, you know, words stick with you and then somebody else can read it, a comment, et cetera. And then they attribute it to you as well. So, uh, again, I think full circle, just eliminate the I didn't know he was doing that or she was doing that answer. That's very true. I think you all are right. And parents really do play a big part when it comes to this bullying issue because like for example when it comes to my bullying experiences so it dealt with these three white boys who 
they decided to take my face and they photoshopped it onto racist images. And, you know, if the their parents, you know, first taught them about what exact, how to be responsible online or how to think before they type and send something rude for not only me to say, but for see, but for other people to see. And like you guys said, I mean, when it comes to um, social media or really just the internet in general, things are saved. So it's still out there. Those images of my face on a gorilla suit or my face with a gun aimed to my head or my face going into the trash, they're out there for other people to see. And we need to have uh, the parents to, you know, really teach them about why this is inappropriate and hurtful and not needed. I can yes. say some other things, but you know, I'll keep that to myself, but it's just not appropriate. Absolutely. Well, I I'm agree. Sorry. Can you repeat that, Arlette? I think my Wi-Fi cut out really quickly. No, I'm so sorry. I was saying that that was just not appropriate. Um, I said it was some other things that was going through my mind as you were saying it that I'll keep to myself because <laughs> it's not appropriate. You see how I just did that? <laughs> I thought about it. It wasn't appropriate and I kept it to myself. Yeah, that wasn't appropriate. And you're right. Um, I remember being, I'm not going to give my age, even I'm not that old. Y'all could laugh if y'all want to. Um, and learning about everything when the internet, you know, had just full stream, everything was the internet. The first thing they told us was it never goes away. It's here forever. And so I feel very um, much um, empathy for you, Devin. I didn't realize that it was that extreme. Yeah, there was a lot that went along with that. There was a lot of mental health impacts. I went through anxiety. I went through a lot of different things. I'll get more into that later because I want to ask you guys also where exactly should a parent begin when it comes to speaking to their child about how to be responsible online you um, want I would say go ahead Sean no go ahead no I was about to say I just thought about that as he was saying it um I have been to a lot of different places I'm sure you guys have as well and I'm seeing two-year-olds with iPads you know, they start pretty young and they're on YouTube and cat videos and just anything that you can think of. I think as soon as your child has any um, ability to understand yes and no and right and wrong, you should start implementing a little bit at a time. You have to be age appropriate, obviously, but just a little bit at a time. It's like watering that plant, you know, a little bit at a time, feeding it so that when they get to a certain point, if you sit down and have a big gigantic conversation, you've been already preparing that child to hear that information. They already kind of know where you're coming from. Monitoring, monitoring, going back to what we said before, they have to monitor it because, you know, even um, this summer, I'll use that as an example with my grand, having my grandkids over and even during virtual schooling and, you know, they would be finished or what have you, they wanna go on, on to YouTube and, I'm, and I chose kids YouTube you still have to monitor it because a lot of these videos have been changed. I don't know who has the um, horrible mind to want to go and change a cartoon to make it what you thought it was Spider-Man, but it's really not Spider-Man. When did Spider-Man start killing people? I'm confused. Like you have to pay attention because you never know what's on these videos. Even though you might have it under program under kids YouTube, you still have to monitor. It's about monitoring. Um, so that's that's one of the things that I would say is is you have to monitor and the, and 
as older kids, one of the other things that I use when I'm talking to youth is they have to know, I know here in the state of Virginia that you can be charged. Um, and I know that's happening in other states. So you can be charged for doing these videos and posting these videos of fights and other things such as that. If it if it stems back to a criminal activity, you can be charged. This is just like as if though you have done that act, that particular activity. What I mean by that is, um, say it was a um, a gang uh, a gang of kids on one child jumping a child, and you're videoing it, and then something tragic happens to that child. Whether it's a um, just an assault charge or whatever, if they find that you to post that video and they get it you know, link it back to you, you can give me just as much trouble as those that were physically fighting and doing that that behavior. So they have to know that, well, two seconds of, do you want to uh, change your whole life in two seconds? Of, was it that important for you to video it and then post it? Because that could take away your entire life. So, you know, I, I try to say, you have to think before you do these things because it could change your life in a matter of minutes. Dr. Sen. You want to say something, Doctor? And again, <laughs> I, I would just going yeah, to piggyback off of those uh, two, just two points. One, I think, uh, yeah, just starting young or at any point, just really giving the fundamentals between right and wrong and being age appropriate because uh, that age appropriate piece sometimes is often missed. Uh, we all have parents that are treating their five-year-old like a 15, 16-year-old when it comes to right and wrong and talking repercussions and what the impact of what they might have said when in reality a five six-year-old can't think abstractly meaning like outside the box like if I do this what are the five things that might happen uh, you know so really keeping that in mind on the essence of right and wrong and being age appropriate so that way you know when you're trying to instill all these other components it could be more effective uh, as well and just you know piggybacking off of the criminal part bullying is actually now uh, in some states seen as a criminal offense in I believe New Buffalo in, in the New York area, uh, parents can get fined for $250 and spend up to 15 days in jail if the, you know, the essence of what was happening was from their child and they didn't do anything about it. In Wisconsin, I believe Northern Wisconsin, uh, they, parents have 90 days to respond to school uh, or the child's behavior. And if the bullying behavior continues, the first offense could be $366 followed by a second of $681. So it will come home uh, and and affect you know the the collective. So you know it's going to come back to the parents or the caregiver because you have the ability to you know monitor as you know like a, a pseudo cop of between right and wrong and really helping build those fundamentals in in your youth. Yes. Yeah, I think that makes sense though. I mean, having certain places where it's actually you know illegal to do these things to other people. There's um when a child say receives that horrible message that could you know potentially be a threat or see these pictures which like in my case i saw them as a death threat because they are a death threat they wanted me i hate to say this but it seemed like they wanted me dead and i think that having certain when it comes to legal action i think that that makes a lot of sense um so when it comes to or sorry how can a parent uh, keep their children safe online because I know when it comes to um, like say for my like for just me in general with my parents they didn't want me you really just being on social media or really even having a phone until I was around the age of like 12 I think 
or 11. That was when around the age that I had my first phone. And I think I first had to build their trust when it comes to being online. And I think that that's also like maybe one of the next few or one of the first few steps as well as having the parent get their knowledge of how to teach their child how to be responsible. So how do you think that a parent can keep their child safe online? What's the good first? Um, well, I think that was an amazing thing that your parents did. And because of the fact that you do need to um, build the trust and, um, and give rules and um, hold them accountable. We, we lose the holding the kids accountable. Um, you know, when I tell parents all the time, you can't be their friends. I, I was never my kids' friends. You, I mean, they're older now and we've become, you know, a little bit more friendlier, but I'm still your mother, you know, and, and you have to abide by my rules. Um, and there's going to be certain rules because there's rules in the world. When you go into the world, it's called laws and you have to abide by them or things happen, correct? So you start them out, as we said earlier, you're teaching them those things and holding them accountable and, um, and building trust to allow them, and it should be a certain age before they get a phone. And I've, I've seen them younger and younger and younger, like Arlette said, and um, that's not the way to go because they, they, they're they exposed to so much. If you're not going to monitor it and make sure they're not on certain things, and, and like I said, some of these apps are not the real apps. Like these, for an example, the calculator was not the calculator behind it. They're doing sex trafficking. So we have to stay on top of these things. You know, that's a whole nother uh, webinar. But you have to stay on top of these things because you could be looking at a, you think it's a, what's a little cartoon character? What's the one your baby like to watch? Uh, one of those characters, it could be a character and, and they click it and behind that character is not that character. And then you thinking that that's, they're watching Spider-Man, like I said before. And, but you have to, you have to be knowledgeable. You have to set rules, boundaries and monitor. You just have to. So I feel like that was that's an, uh, an amazing thing that your parents did, Devin, and more parents need to take that that role. I agree with you. I like. Do you have anything to add on? I was just about to say that. Um, I think at this point, every single item that our children are using have some sort of parental control on it. Um, my Hulu says, "Is it me or the kids?" You know, like it's everywhere. So I think that's one of the things that you can attempt to do. But I live in reality and I'm a very matter of fact when I discuss things, I feel like it loses its value if you kind of fluff it up too much. And so when it comes to the reality of it, I feel like there's always that possibility that something will happen. So you have to prepare for what happens then. So for instance, Shani said, clicking on something and you realize it's sex trafficking. Don't keep it to yourself, tell mom, tell dad. I think that's the other side of it too. Yes, we don't want our children to think that we are their friends, but you want to have a very um, open line of communication as to where they feel comfortable and not scared and not afraid that they're gonna get into trouble, that they can come and say, I clicked on Spider-Man, but there are naked ladies, you know, or just whatever it is. I think that's the other part of it too. Um, we can try our best. Um, I do know that there are a lot of cities that have programs that they have started based upon cyberbullying. So wherever it is that you are located, I think it's appropriate for you as a parent to start to research what your community is doing and get involved. Because some of these things are worldwide 
and some things are just in community, certain code words that kids use and things like that. So if you're from this area, you need to know what they're saying and what they're doing so that you're fully aware. I agree. Yeah. I I would, I, again, piggybacking off both of those, uh, I like to try to keep it simple and work backwards, but what I'll, the analogy I'll usually ask parents is, or to give is breaking down what the internet means to them. And, you know, it's a world wide web. So I try to ask, you know, if they were traveling the world, which you can do in its heartbeat on your phone or your tablet, what precautions would you put in place? What safeguards would you put in place? How much trust would you need in your daughter or son to travel to Asia or, or Europe, et cetera? And then what, what are the steps that need to happen if, if a situation occurs, if you lose your money, so to speak, but just, you know, having that that set of uh, you know, sequences of how do I solve this, this, this problem? You know, so really helping them understand that and then absorbing the magnitude of what the World Wide Web means and then how quickly you could get tricked, especially when you're young, you're naive, et cetera. And then really uh, emphasizing the, you know, if you see something that's not normal that you haven't seen before, if you're questioning it, say something, right? So they feel that comfort to come to you as a safety net, then learning what they know and then being able to help educate them in a, you know, in a familiar, in a nice way and keeping that open line of communication so that way they can see you as friendly, but at the same token, you know, as they get older, setting the expectations so they also know that you mean business when it comes to, you know, reinforcing rules. So you want to walk that fine line of, you know, parent first, I am friendly, but I'm a parent first, which oddly enough, uh, you know, these days, or not even these days, but there's been a trend more towards, you know, creating uh, this super friendly bond with your child, but then once they get older, it's, it turns into a negative because that same friendly bond is hard to work your way back and be like, wait, no, this is when I'm a parent. And when I'm making the TikTok videos with you, I'm cool, but you know, I still want you to follow the rules and you know, juggling both of those can be difficult. So uh, yeah, I, I, I just tried to you know, really reinforce that trust and build it off of that. Uh, but each, each situation can be so different. So I think just knowing a variety of different scenarios and ways can really be beneficial. Uh, piggybacking again off of what everyone else is mentioning. It's very interesting to think about how much trust you really need to have in your child when it comes to them using the internet and when it comes to them using all these different social media apps. Um, I know that um, we set the poll and it or the question for the poll is can your parents see what you do online and a lot of the audience here said yes that a lot of their parents can see what they do online which I do think that's good. It's just, it really is a matter of setting up trust when it comes to that aspect. Um, so um, why don't we talk about how can parents talk about cyberbullying with their children? I know that Arlette, you mentioned um, cyberbullying programs, which a lot more places need to have, schools need to have, school needs to have conversations like this about you know being responsible or having their kids be responsible online and having their parents be knowledgeable of, you know, cyberbullying or the different like negative things that go on online, but how can parents talk to their kids about cyberbullying? Ms. Shawnee, why don't we start with you answering that question? Um, some of the things that we mentioned earlier um, was about being knowledgeable so that you can have the conversation with your children. And yes, making it a space where they are um, 
feeling comfortable enough to come and talk to you about the different things. And you also need to share with them, there's a lot of different stories out there on how it has went the wrong way, meaning we know about um, um, bully side, meaning that there's some people that have not been strong enough that have went through cyberbullying that have taken their own lives. You need to let them know how these things can affect the cause and effect of cyberbullying. Or if, if or if it's happening to you, it's okay to not be okay, but what can we do together to be okay? So it's like you have to tell them about all of those different paths. Um, and just having regular conversation often. Don't just one or two times and just leave it alone. That needs to be something often. How are you doing? How has your day been? How's it going on your um, Instagram or your um, Twitter account or your whatever it is they're using? Ask them about some of the things so you can, and if they start doing different things like withdrawing, being withdrawn, not wanting to really talk or not being themselves or what, you just start watching those signs as well. But having, laying the foundation of being able to have that real talk is what I call it and letting them know it's okay to not be okay, but what are we going to do together to be okay? There are, from at least my standpoint, um, state agencies, there are some local agencies as well. Um, we're in Virginia, so um, we're kind of broken up all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so within Virginia, there's all these different things. A lot of things are even happening in the school board. So I use Mishani, for instance. Mm -hmm. She's a mom that was fed up and started Parents Against Bullying. She gets phone calls all the time from parents and even kids trying to get their parents to come aboard. And they use her as insight and in how to get things done. There are Mishanis in a lot of places. So I think it's important that the first thing that you do is become knowledgeable. And whether that's just a Google search, because as soon as you Google, things start popping up. You can start reading, you can start figuring out. Um, one thing that I do know, at least from my group of parents right now, I ask questions like, well, who's your child's guidance counselor? I hear no. I don't know so often that I'm kind of fabricated by it because I'm like, why don't you know? Have you been to the school? You know, like, do they know your face? Like, they should be able to see you coming and go, hey, Miss Simmons, I know why you're here before I even get into the door. So I feel like just taking the extra initiative would be one of the best things that can be happening right now. Because if you knew the guidance counselor, you can easily call and say, hey, is anything going on in school today? You know, my child doesn't, whatever, can somebody, you know, pay attention, take a look. Um, in Virginia, we have a lot of different programs from TDT, which is a program where it's um, day treatment where they're in the school and they have mental health counselors that are there on site to help kids. And um, they're there for all of the children actually, but sometimes they're assigned to a specific child. So there are all these different options. You just have to ask questions and allow yourself to, you know, just be a little bit more um, proactive, I'll say is probably the best way to put it out there. You know, if you're proactive, you can probably, as uh, Dr. Sandeep has said, starting backwards, you know, if you jump out there and try to be solution focused, we might get some of this stuff done before it turns into a big situation like what you went through, Devin. I agree with you, Arlette. And Dr. Sandeep, um, would you like to add on? I think 
you know, again, each each area, each, each territory, each school district has its own uh, you know push. And I think yeah, just googling, finding an advocacy group, someone that's pushing the initiative, uh, is going to be most important. You know, and when it comes to the child, just you know, again, starting small, where yeah, you want them to tell you when they had a great day or something awesome happened, but keep it simple. You know, in case someone says something mean, you know, use not trigger words, but just repetitive words. So they get to really pay attention to it. So if anybody says something mean and then evolve with their age, or, you know, someone that says something hostile to you or something that bothers you after you've read it, just let me know, you know, and then you can navigate the situation accordingly because uh, you want to, ha again, build, you want to have that trust and understanding of how is, you know, your son or daughter dealing with it before jumping to a solution that might be more that's needed. Uh, you know, so if if they jump to the school, sometimes that could be detrimental. You know, you really want to talk things out. Can the youth be strong enough to try to deal on the, on their own? Uh, because so often, I'll the, usually the cons consensus is when I ever ask, like, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you go to your counselor? Majority of the time is I didn't want to make things worse. I, you know, I didn't want someone to find out and then get more bullied or find out that I snitched on a bully, et cetera, and then looking weak, depending on, you know, the age and uh, what grade they're in or the dynamics of the social group right so again it's really case by case but you know if cyberbullying is apart from social media use that same social component google find out and and take charge and then being proactive and knowing your son and knowing or then letting your son or daughter know that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get uh, at least some solution found or at least looking towards that, that direction when you know again when it could lead to feeling like no one's on your side. And going back to the guidance counselor thing, that's a huge component. Know what resources are available in your school, know the names and know how to contact them. So that way that's something you can provide for your son or daughter to go check in on. Uh, because sometimes, you know, as parents, you're not going to get hundred percent or 50% or 30% or it's too embarrassing or et cetera. Because part of life is that learning curve of what and how to talk about these things. If you have a guidance counselor, get to know them. And, and be okay with checking in with them as well. Uh, you know, and then just a sidebar, uh, you know, on, at the child and adolescent you know, national level, we are working towards uh, a number that's going to be similar to 911, but it's going to be for mental health emergencies or crises. So you can call and get services, uh, you know, be sent to you if needed as well without, you know, the, the need to go to an ER or other places. So, you know, there's small things that are in place, but collectively, I think, find out whatever is locally available. Oh, Dr. Cindy, that's amazing. That is. Can you please keep us posted? Yeah. <laughs> please. I, I mean, I would love to stay connected. I, I really do, because we have so many things. This is like a village here with different things that we could share to help in our areas, even though we're not in the same areas, but we're, we have the same like-minded heart to be able to help the same situation. Um, and Definitely. when you said push, when you said push, I am that that patience is for P, U is for understanding, S is for stability, to H, handle your business. And I feel like we all are handling our, handling our business and the, the different aspects of it and pulling together makes it more powerful. So please, I would love to um, stay connected. Dev, this is amazing. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, we, we get to, we come to D.C. once a year. And if you're in Virginia, we, we advocate, meet our uh, legislators and and senators talking shop on bills to be passed for improved mental health services. So I'll keep you posted on that as well. So please, please you can always, do. You know, go talk to them. Sure, definitely. All right.
See, it all starts with a conversation. <laughs> yeah, it all it starts is. with a conversation in order to work towards, you know, really just coming up with different ideas in order to create an effective and positive change. Absolutely. I mean, having a number that's similar to 911 when it comes to mental health, that's something a lot, that's especially, huge. Now, especially now with the youth who are going through a lot of different things. I mean, over time, when it comes to mental health, it just seems as though, unfortunately, things are, it's just getting worse when it comes to like, I think it's really a matter of like work that the youth have or have to do, excuse me, or maybe when it comes to just like, well, I mean, cyberbullying, literally there's a lot of different mental health aspects when it comes to it that are both positive. I mean, excuse me, what am I saying? <laughs> that are really negative but we need to work in order to put a positive or make that positive change that really just puts an end to bullying. Um, why don't we talk about some of the effects of cyberbullying, in fact. Um, okay, so cyberbullying can lead to lower self-esteem, which is dealing with how we value or see our own selves. Cyberbullying can lead to anxiety, which is a fear which is a feeling of fear or uneasiness. I definitely went through anxiety and I still go that through that to this day. When I saw my face on those images, as soon as I saw them, just a fear of scared, of, uh, I was scared. I felt not comfortable in myself because of them. I was, I was all in all just terrified by what I was seeing. You can develop an eating disorder. So in other words, you may not want to eat or you actually, just lose your appetite. It really, these effects of cyberbullying can all come because of the impact that it has on you. And it can lead to so many different things. I know Dr. Sandeep always, he talks about how like anxiety is one of the main effects that really sticks with the person who went through bullying or who went through cyberbullying. It can lead to migraines, stomach aches. It can lead to depression. I'll be honest with you. I went through a little bit of depression when I was cyberbullied. Um, and it can affect your friendships or relationships. You may not know how to, whether it be you may not know how to talk to certain people or you're distant from people who you may love, which can lead to, you know, why is this, why are they um, distancing themselves from me or why are they acting this way to me when really it's not you, it's the fact that they're going through this cyberbullying problem and these are just the effects of it. They're not pushing you away. When in reality, they're going through these, this problem and you know we need to put an end to it. So why don't we talk about the mental health aspects? I mean, how can, what are, or excuse me, what are the mental health issues that you all have seen when dealing with bullying? Oh, I'm sorry, Ms. Shani, why don't you start off? Um, I mean, you did an amazing job with putting the effects up um, because, I've seen so many times, just, just this week alone, um, I'm working with three families um, and to hear that a six-year-old has, has started to withdraw, meaning that she's starting to uh, keep herself in her room. Um, she's not eating, you know, and this is, this is bullying in, in person and cyberbullying and she's six years old. Um, so, you know, those effects are, it happens a lot. Um, and you hear about those particular um, effects that happen to a lot of different 
a, a different people, even though it might be a different type of bullying that they're going through, it all gives some of the same effects. And it's just disheartening. Um, because a child, it's like a child supposed to be able to be a child. No six-year-old should be hiding in their rooms and not eating because someone's picking on them or someone's sending them home with bruises. Um, you know, so it, that, that hurts you that traumatically, that, that hurts you mentally. You know, this baby doesn't understand that. She's still like, um, doctor said, you know, she hasn't even gotten her little brain cells in order to be able to handle all these different situations at one time. She don't know what this is all about. She's only six. I'm just using that as an example, but she's going through these different effects, not eating, anxiety, I'm sure, just a traumatic trauma experience. Wow. And it's crazy how young that they can start too, like how young bullying can start and how young these different effects can start when they're withdrawing, staying in their room, feeling depressed and just all these different effects. It's terrifying. Um, Arlette, would you like to add on? Oh, yes. Um, currently I have a few different cases where some of my kids are experiencing bullying. Um, those kids are suffering from depression, uh, post-traumatic stress, anxiety, and some of these kids, believe it or not, they're being bullied because they may have already had what was considered a mental health diagnosis, ADHD, you know, the kids that can't sit still are impulsive and things like that in the classroom, being bullied for those type of behaviors, being called odd and strange and weird and all these other type of things. So it, I just have a variation of things that I currently see. Um, over the years, I've seen a lot. Bullying has definitely um, gotten different. <laughs> I'll say that, different. Uh, when we grew up, bullying was somebody trying to take your lunch money. It's no longer that. It's, I don't like your hair, or um, I don't like your skin tone in your references, or um, they've gone beyond, your parents are poor. Um, and then the real harsh ones, you know, where it's like, I'm poking you with a pen while you're walking past me, and all these other things. Um, one thing that I have tried to do, and I push other therapists when we talk and things like that about trying to do it is um, always providing a safe space to allow the child that's coming to you for certain things to really be able to speak. Um, kids come in and they'll say, everything's fine. And I, ask, I, I, I laugh at that because I go, well, what does fine look like? I just met you. Can you tell me what your fine looks like? Tell me about your day and try to break it down. Um, I do know for parents, it's difficult because you come in the door and your kid says, I'm good. Well, just don't take it at face value. What's, what was good about your day? Who did you encounter? How was your classroom experience? If you know the teachers, how was this teacher? You know, And providing that additional so that you can get a better scope. Um, I've had kids that have come here and um, I mean, sit quietly for a while. And then I pull out all the tricks of the trade try to get them to talk to me and let me know what's going on. So for parents, I am pushing right now, um, using some of the tools that are um, accessible to us therapists for you at home. So if you have a child that obviously is going through something and has withdrawn, in order to get them to talk to you, um, I'm sure everybody's heard of the fidget spinners that was so very popular. They've uh, gotten even more advanced now. So I was trying to pull one out. Hopefully I wasn't making too much noise. <laughs> I have uh, the poppets, 
we have them in office in all different colors and shapes and different things right now. I've realized that sometimes when a kid's in a bad space, they wanna talk and they can't, having one of these can be helpful. Something else to put their focus on. They don't have to actually keep eye contact with me. They can tell me what it is that they're feeling and everything else. These can work at home as well. You don't have to wait till you come into a therapist's office. So there are things that you can do at home. And if you're not sure what to do, I ask parents to reach out and ask. We do consultations all the time, mention little tricks of the trade, you know what I mean? And then we have groups. So hopefully that kind of answered your question, Devin. I don't know. Do you think that when it comes to kids who are not comfortable with sharing like what they're going through, do you think that it's easier for them not to look at you uh, like as well when speaking at their, I mean, about their experiences and just like fully focusing on something else? Do you think like yeah. not looking at you is also yes. a part of that? Yes. Because they, they're having a problem facing a bully. And yes, your mom and you're not a bully, but having to look at you in the eyes, it's hard to, um, the confidence to say the words, to say what it is, sometimes to even express what has taken place, you know, and think about it. The more times you have to tell a story, it's like reliving it all over again. It can be very traumatic. Think about you. You, you just have to sit there and tell us once again about what took place. And as you were telling it, it took you back to that place once again, the same feelings that you had and everything else. It's like opening a trauma all over again. And so having something that they can not focus on that's not necessarily keeping eye contact and stuff like that can definitely be helpful. Um, it allows them to put their energy into something else in order to be able to say what it is that they have to say. It's very interesting how you also brought up the fidget thing that you just had, because I also have one of those and it really does help when it comes to anxiety, because I mm -hmm. still as like as you're I mean, you're so right just saying, I think I don't even realize that I'm reopening like a wound mm -hmm. when I say my story. I know that I, it does take me back to the time because it takes me back to the time where I saw those images and I went up to my mother and my father and my mother said, what, what, they sent this to you? And then from there, my mother and my father were like, Devin, we're here for you. We'll always support you. You are not going through this alone. We'll do whatever we can in order to support you. And, you know, so that you don't have to go through the pain that these boys are inflicting on you. So I think all in all, I really think it does start with a conversation and setting up that comfortable environment um, so, uh, Dr. Sandeep, uh, would you like to add on to that? Uh, of course, you know, uh, again, piggybacking, I think all, uh, great, a lot of great points were made. Just one thing uh, on the eye contact piece, it can be one reliving or rehashing what you've been through. The other sometimes can lead to avoidance of eye contact because you got to remember sometimes kids are instilled with all the things that we're teaching them, right? If someone, if bully says this, do this. If, so, if a stranger comes up to you, do this. And we've taught all these skill sets that they sometimes will feel like they've incorporated. And when they, when things don't go as planned, they might then feel uh, like they failed their parents, right? So they feel like they're embarrassed or ashamed that something happened, that somebody hurt them, et cetera. So it can make it even harder to talk about something uh, so intense or feel comfortable doing it because they don't know if they failed or if, you know, or if uh, they needed to do something different. Um, and so fidget spinners or something like that can be really beneficial because 
anxiety in itself is that fear of the unknown. It makes us over question everything, makes us uh, have difficulty with being decisive. So just by having something to kind of take your attention away, it can get you to that second layer of what you really want to talk about. And going to what uh, Ms. Simmons was saying, you know, if they uh, investigating, always ask that other question. And, you know, the good thing about when it comes to asking about your day is you sure ask about the day to say good what was good about it ask a couple more questions about the good side and then purposely be like all right what was the worst part of your day and what was the meanest thing that was said to you right because then when you ask after asking 10 9 10 other questions and jump to such a random question that they're not expecting you might get some more of a sincere answer in in where they're you know if something actually bad happened right so if you're asked all these good things and all of a sudden they're like well you know, this one kid said something mean to me and be like, okay, well, how was that part of your good day that you just, just described? And then setting the tone for you're allowed to just tell me these kind of things and getting, again, that comfort there. Uh, but, you know, the effects can be so detrimental that that fear of, will this kid uh, hit me again or punch me again or say something about me leads to then sometimes becoming paranoid of your surroundings. Is he there? Is she here, et cetera? And then as you get more paranoid, you might then start thinking more than you want to. You might not sleep as much as you want to because then you get more fearful of going to school. You might try to avoid uh, things that you would normally previously do. And all of those things can sometimes cascade to the point where, like Devin, you were mentioning, you could start to feel depressed. You could start to feel hopeless. You feel like you're the only one. You're the, you feel like there's no other options. And you know, I see, like I was saying earlier, uh, it can get to the point where the mental health effects can be so detrimental that you can start to cave and start to believe what the bully is saying, that you are fat, that you are this, that you are X, Y, and Z. And if it's related to your weight, you'll start having appetite issues. If it's related to your skin, you might start to cut or bleach or do all these irrational things because you think whatever this person is saying might be true. You know, And if it culminates to a point where you can't handle it, again, week in and week out, I'll see kids uh, or youth you know, trying to end it all by overdosing or uh, trying to harm themselves, trying to kill themselves and become suicidal uh, just because they didn't have any other option or at least at the moment felt like they didn't have any other option. So anything across the board realistically is fair game when it comes to the impacts on your mental health. Uh, all the more reason, you know, this con- it starts with a conversation and really being open about talking about it. So that way, you know, your, your, your circle is aware of you, what you're capable of, and then how to get help if and when it's needed. I agree with you, Dr. Sandeep. I mean, when it comes to the youth needing a support system, like all youth really need the support system when it comes to um, bullying and really just in general, because you're growing up, you're learning all these different things. And, you know, when it comes to, we really shouldn't, we, the only way we should learn a reason why we should learn about bullying is because, oh, not the only reason, but I'll just say that when it comes to bullying, we need to learn it because of how much of an issue it is and because of how much it affects people. And, you know, like when a parent really tries to acknowledge the child's day and acknowledge all the different parts, like when they come home from the school and they're in the car or they just came in the house, ask them these different things. We really do need to ask them. When I was younger, I was like in middle school during this time also. Um, my mom would always ask me, she still does, but my mom would always ask me, you know, Devin, how was your day? What did you do? Um, she even says like, how did that make you feel? You know, I think that's why I'm so open and able to really speak now 
because she kind of broke me out of that when I was younger and like able to fully just share what I've gone through and share all these different experiences. And I think that can help a lot of other youth really speak up about their stuff. You know, it's easier for therapists also so that they can easily speak to um, the child. So I think that's very cool, but all in our, I think that's very true. All in all, the youth need a support system. The youth need upstanders who is, um, not only is an upstander someone who intervenes when it comes to bullying, but it's someone who shows that they support and they love the victim. Like I could say in my case, my upstanders were my parents because they spoke up. Uh, Ms. Shawnee, I, I know you'll speak on this too, but like with you, you were that upstander and you helped your children, um, your twins, your twin daughters, you know, Dr. Sandeep, Arlette, like we have these different support systems, but we also need to recognize that we have these support systems. We're, um, you know, the youth support system when it comes to bullying or when it comes to other mental health um, issues. So I just wanted to say that. Would you guys, do you guys have anything else to add on? This was amazing. Thank you, Devin, um, for having us. Um, I hope that this will help someone out there. I know we won't be able to save the world, but one person at a time is my, my whole um, thing. Um, so I, again, thank you. Well, thank you too, Ms. Shawnee. Yeah, right. Thank you so much, Devin. Yeah, I definitely appreciate you inviting me to come along on this journey with you. Um, I always just want to end off by saying something that is pretty similar to what Ms. Shawnee was just saying. Um, ask questions, um, be proactive. Um, and if you don't know, someone else knows. You know, if you don't know, someone else knows. So don't think you have to figure it all out by yourself. Yeah. Dr. Cindy, do you have anything else to add? I think, you know, again, piggybacking off what uh, the rest of the panelists said, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, it's awesome that you're doing this at your age and advocating uh, and having this uh, ability to do so, uh, you know, hopefully going to spark that level of uh, interest in someone else and we can make a ripple effect and help, you know, one person at a time, uh, but hopefully continue to navigate, you know, with these panelists and, and keep bringing more so that way, you know, you're, you're at the age and you also have the ability to hear what's going on at a different level than we are. So, you know, what, whether it's concerns, whether it's ways to tackle different scenarios, specific scenarios, or, you know, bring that to the table so we can discuss it and, and, you know, continue to help because sometimes, you know, talking stats or the, I guess, what's common knowledge can be redundant, but then taking in one step further on how to do something about it and what actions we could take and be much more uh, of a need as well. Just because again, cyberbullying and, you know, like Ms. Shanti was saying earlier, YOLO is a new one, right? There's so many different apps. There's so many things that we need to stay up to date on. So if you see something, if you don't know, go investigate the crud out of it. So that way you're aware and you know exactly what's going on. Uh, and again, eliminate that. I don't know, or I didn't know he was doing that or she was doing that, but uh, you know, it's been a pleasure and I appreciate, you know, everyone getting on here and getting a chance to talk with so much uh, over such an important topic. So hopefully we can continue uh, keep doing awesome things. Thank you all. I've had so much fun speaking to you all. Um, this was really a good webinar. And I just had fun talking about, you know, different ways to really solve this issue or be a part of that positive change. Um, and also thank you for everyone 
who came to watch. Um, if you guys want to reach out to um, Dr. Sandeep, Arlette, and Ms. Shani, I'm going to be linking their websites in the chat. For Ms. Shani, it's um, www.pabva.com. Um, Arlette, you could go to clinicalservicesllc.com. And then um, I also am linking uh, Dr. Sandeep's Twitter just so you guys can um, reach out to him as well. Um, would you, do you guys want to share um, any other platforms that you guys are on in order for people to reach out to you? Ms. Shani? Um, they can follow us on Facebook, um, which is uh, Parents Against Bullying Virginia. Instagram is p.a.b.va. Um, and we're also on Twitter as Parents Against Bullying Virginia as well. Yeah, we're on Facebook as Clinical Services LLC. Dr. Cindy? Uh, you hit me up on Twitter or you can hit up my friend Devin Moore, Race to Speak Up, and we can navigate another time to talk here or to sidebar anytime. So uh, again, don't be a stranger. If you see something, say something. Uh, you're not alone. And there's always someone somewhere in some setting that can help uh, navigate situations that you might be unfamiliar with. So. Uh, you know, bullies are everywhere. They're obviously not going to go away. The older you get, they're still there. So learn how to navigate them early on so that way you can kick ass when you do deal with them. Yep, exactly. Right. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah. Great talk, though. Well, awesome. Thank you all again. And also, for everyone listening, if you're interested in starting a hashtag behind the screen anti cyberbullying chapter at your school or environment, where you get that full education of cyberbullying and where you have conversations like these, um, feel free to fill out this agreement policy that I linked in the chat. Um, you're also able to receive service hours for completing the hashtag behind the screen activities. Remember to join the Humanity Rising movement. We're a student-led movement to create a better world through service. There's many ways to get involved through Humanity Rising. I also host the Race to Speak Up podcast where I speak to changemakers about how they are working towards a more empathetic world through bullying prevention. I actually interviewed Ms. Shawnee for my first episode and that was amazing and you guys should definitely check that out. Um, and also service hours are offered for watching the podcast as well. Updates about the podcast and about the hashtag behind the screen webinar are all on my social media. So make sure to follow at Race to Speak Up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We also have, um, okay, we also have a Facebook group for hashtag behind the screen. So all you have to do is just look up at behind the screen. Um, this month, November, we launched the Who Stood Up For You Challenge. This is where we, or this is where you can share your story of bullying and the importance of kindness and inclusion. By participating in the Who Set Up For You Challenge, you will be eligible for Humanity Rising Service Scholarships. Um, thank you all again for joining and we'll see you next time. <laughs>